This morning we're going to be continuing on in our series uh, called What's the Difference? Uh, and so it's a look at the book of Second Peter and kind of uh, examining how the Christian's worldview uh, is fundamentally different because we believe in a creator who spoke all things into existence, that the same creator willingly came down to earth in order to live a perfect life uh, and die in our place uh, in order to provide a way for forgiveness for our sins and, and reconciliation uh, with himself. In this, we see that our faith is anchored uh, because it was gifted to us by God, by the Holy Spirit. We talked about this last week. Blessed with great and precious promises. Uh, and those promises are guaranteed by the Creator uh, that holds all things together. That has spoke all things into existence. Uh, and that's one of those truths. I, I love meditating on, on that truth uh, alone. That everything we see... Everything that we see was, was spoken out of nothing by him. Uh, like we're work, looking at this, this wood floor right now. Um, and, and yeah, it was planed and shaped uh, by the hands of men whose creativity in doing that is just reflection of our creator. But it came from a tree that grew because of the sun that God spoke into existence, because of the water that he spoke into existence, the, that cycle happening. Like, like this is here because he created it in the first place. Uh, hummingbirds. Um, my daughter came in today. Uh, and, and both Angie and I think we're somewhat in a panic because she, she came in like out of breath and like, Mama, Mama! And we're like, what, 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 what's happening? What's going on? She's like, I was outside and I just heard this loud buzzing and there was a hummingbird right here. And, and she had like some kind of like red jacket on um, and, and it's colder out. And so my guess is hummingbirds are attracted to red and it was hungry. And so it was checking out if she was like this giant flower that like was a smorgasbord and they're like nope <laughs> and it moved on I, a little hummingbird and, and just the delicateness of that but also its strength in the way that it flies um, this week I don't know like I've never heard of this before did you know that this last week was fat bear week has anybody ever heard of fat bear week before okay so I'm not the only one I was listening to a podcast, uh, and apparently it's Fat Bear Week in Alaska. Uh, and so what you can do is you can go online and look at some webcams, uh, and they've got these webcams uh, facing the salmon run. And so they've got all these grizzly bears that are sitting there, just kind of like plopped down in the water and like snagging salmon out of the air. And um, you can then, it's like a March Madness bracket. And so you can kind of sit there and pick, you know, Bear 452 versus Molly. And, and like, which one is actually going to get fatter uh, on salmon as it gets ready for hibernation? Uh, when I first heard of it, I thought it was a little bit ridiculous. You know, like, like okay, like, we need to have a whole week celebrating, like, how fat bears can get. And it just seemed like one more thing to spend our, our time on uh, in a world that's full of social media apps, video games, movies, and, and now we can watch bears get fat. Um, but then as I watched it, I was like marveling at God's creation. Like, like here's this powerful beast that, that somehow knows it can just sit there and water uh, and open its mouth and, and literally fish are, are just jumping into their jaws. And they're going to eat as much as possible. 
and then just go to sleep through the winter and then wake up still alive after months and months uh, and then be one of the most fearsome predators uh, that I would never, ever, ever want to meet face on in the woods. And, and just, I'm so grateful for his creation and his creativity uh, and his power. But then I was also contemplating, like, like, here's another thing. Like, we can go online and do, or we can go online and look at osprey nests, or we can go online and look at the different protests that are happening. We can go online and play video games. There, there's so many different things vying for our attention. Uh, we just pull out our phones right now, and, and there's a million choices probably more than a million choices in front of us and the things that we can go to. Now, some of those things, uh, like creation and bears, can point us to the glory of God. His power, his, his beauty, his imagination, as he put all these things into existence. And, and some things we can seek out that, that are able to help us know more about God. There's some great apps out there for Bible memorization, uh, studies, things like this. There's other things uh, that are downright spiritually dangerous, and they try and grab our attention. And then there's other things uh, that are just a distraction, uh, a waste of time with no benefit. Uh, I think of the, the, the game, the phone game, Flappy Bird. Uh, did anybody play Flappy Bird? All right, we got a few hands out there. So, so Flappy Bird, I think, is a really interesting uh, thing to consider because it, it was basically a game uh, of this little pixelized bird, and then there was, like, these pipes uh, on the top of the screen and the bottom of the screen. And all you would do is, like, tap the screen, and the bird would, like, flap its wings, and it would go up or down. Uh, and basically, you would just go through this maze that would never end. You would sit there and just keep on going and keep on going and keep on going. Uh, and you would just try to see, like, how far can you get in this maze that never, never ends. Uh, and so here's this game. And it was so popular, uh, millions and millions of downloads, uh, that the person who created it actually realized, like, people are just wasting their time with this. Like, there's no purpose to it. There's, there's no benefit to this. And people are playing hours upon hours of this little bird flapping its wings and dodging pipes. And, and so he canceled the game and actually pulled it off the market. And he's like, I don't want anybody to be wasting their lives on this thing that, that I created. And there's so much stuff out there. Uh, again, and so the key to all these things uh, is really our intentionality. What, what is the priority of our life? What is the goal that we have? And, and hopefully it's not the best at being able to tap a screen and to keep a bird from hitting a pipe. Hopefully it's something beyond that, beyond this world and this earth, uh, and something that actually is anchored and reaches on into eternity. Uh, and so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning, uh, guarding ourselves against being uh, distracted. We'll be going into Second Peter chapter 1. Uh, so if you have Bibles, please turn there. Uh, we'll have the verses up on the screens as well. Uh, we'll begin in verse 3, but before we do, let's pray. Uh, Father, we come before you this morning uh, as we look to your holy word. Uh, and I pray that uh, rather we stand on the promise that your word is alive and it is active and that it cleaves down to our hearts. 
Uh, and so, Father, as we examine this passage, I pray that you would work in my heart, that you would work in our hearts, that you would convict us where we need to be convicted, that we would be encouraged and strengthened, that, Father, if we need change, we would rely upon you for that change, but also participate ourselves uh, as we look uh, to a goal that is beyond uh, the span of our years here on this earth, as we look to promises that are anchored in all of eternity. May we reflect you and continue to grow and grow into your likeness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so starting in verse 3, uh, we kind of began with this uh, a little bit last week. Uh, in verse 3, it starts off by saying, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who calls us by His own glory and goodness. By these, He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because uh, of evil desire. Uh, and so that was the passage that we looked at last week. Uh, just as a reminder, He's given us everything required for life and godliness uh, through knowledge of Him. Remember that knowledge is both uh, being able to, to study and learn about Him through Scripture, uh, but it's also through that relational experience with Him, uh, seeking Him, praying to Him, uh, acknowledging where we're at in our life and asking for His help uh, in those things. Uh, and then again, anchored in the promises that He's given us, um, and then through that, sharing the divine nature. So, again, all those things, but now we get into verse 5. And it says, for this very reason, because you've been given these promises, because you are sharing in the divine nature, because you have been given everything required for life and godliness, for this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For this reason, make every effort. Make every effort. It, it requires action on our part. Action in our lives. A, a great spiritual truth of, of life is that God does all the work uh, to make us worthy. We can never earn our way into heaven. We can never earn his forgiveness. Uh, it's something through grace and mercy he gave to us with Jesus on the cross. We could never take ourselves from spiritual death and sin, and we would never be able to resurrect ourselves into a new spiritual life. It's only an action of Jesus Christ on the cross. But we are required then to walk and do what he has called us to do, uh, and what he has accomplished. It, it takes effort and intentionality. Uh, we, we make this effort to supplement our faith. And now this word supplement uh, is uh, Strong's number 2023, 20, uh, uh, which means to furnish, supply, or give nourishment. Now remember, we're supposed to supplement our faith. 
Last week, we looked at that faith being a gift given to us. Remember, we were given that faith that the apostles had, an equal faith to that of the apostles. We go to uh, Ephesians chapter 2. We're, we're saved by faith, which is a gift to us. So we have this gift of faith, and we're supposed to supplement or furnish, supply, and give nourishment to it. Now, the best example that, that I could think of for this uh, is consider the moment uh, of the beginning of human life. There's a joining uh, of two cells. In, in essence, two cells with half the chromosomes uh, that it's needed for, for a human being. And they join together. And in that, that moment uh, of joining, there is a beginning of a human life, of a soul. It's miraculous. There's nothing that we can do to cause that to happen. It is, it is God's miracle that life is conceived and there is a new soul, a new being, a new identity, a new image of God within the womb. There is life. And through the gift of God, through His miraculous uh, creation, this life grows. And that joint cell becomes two cells, becomes four cells, becomes eight, sixteen, and on and on as this baby is formed within uh, the womb. Uh, and just to learn at the different stages, um, at 15 weeks, like there's even a sign of like fingernails uh, and lips. And you can see eyes and things formed. And, and it is amazing, this gift of life. The life continues on to birth, but throughout that entire time, it needs nourishment. Life is the, the miracle, but depending on the quality of nourishment, the quality of life is affected. It, it can be strengthened, it can be damaged, or, or it can even be lost. That continues on for the rest of our lives, even as we sit here this morning and we, we go on from today. The, the quality of, of our nourishment, of what we take into our bodies, directly affects the miracle, the gift of life that we have. I could not give myself life. It's completely a gift from God. But my action, my responsibility, is that, that nourishment that can strengthen or weaken or damage this gift that He has given to me. On the same sense, uh, in a spiritual sense, we have been given the gift of faith. We've been saved by a gift, by grace and by mercy. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we've been given a gift uh, of the Holy Spirit as we come to Him uh, and humbly acknowledge uh, Him as Lord and repent of our sins. We're, we're given a gift of everlasting life. How do we nourish it? We're told to nourish our faith. To, to supplement it in this list that goes on to, to supplement our faith to supplement goodness to supplement self-control uh, and we go through this here this morning to to make every effort in this and in each things uh, still relying on the gift of jesus and reflecting him but also acknowledging this takes effort on our own part we, we supplement or nourish our faith with virtue 
Now this virtue is this excellence of character. It's a humble submission to God. It is a, a courage in face of opposition, in the face of temptation. It is a commitment to walk as led by God. And in this, all we're doing is imitating Jesus Christ. Like when he walked on the earth, he's like, it's not my will, but the Father's. Everything that I see him do, uh, I'm going to do. Everything he calls me to do, he's going to do. And so it is the same in our own life as we have this faith that we're given a trust in God as our Lord and Savior. We need to nourish that with intentional actions to walk in excellence of character, to walk in virtue. God, you're calling me to go this direction. I'm going to go and I'm going to trust you in this. You're calling me to, to deny these sins in my life, these things that are spiritually negative, then and I'm going to trust you and I'm going to walk away from these things. By doing this faithfully, we're nourishing our faith. We're saying, yeah, I, I know Jesus is my Lord and so my actions are now going to support that. And it increases and nourishes our faith by using virtue. Now, virtue, we're supposed to supplement and nourish with knowledge. It's an understanding. It's wisdom and, and prudence. Understanding. It's, it's through studying and learning and experiencing a relationship with God. This then informs our virtue. It informs our excellence of character. To be able to know God calls that sin. And so I'm going to choose to walk in character and walk away from that. God calls me to pursue Him. God calls me to worship Him. God calls me to do these things, to show love for one another. So I'm going to choose to walk in those things. It's all anchored in this knowledge. And so we supplement or nourish our actions with understanding and knowing what is good. Knowledge, uh, we're supposed to uh, supplement with self-control. Now this self-control is, is literally control yourself. Like, like you have these urges, you have these desires, these different things that pull you in different directions. Self-control says, I'm going to choose to be intentional about this uh, instead of allowing myself uh, to be pulled in multiple directions based on every whim and desire that, that enters into my head. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about Kit Kats. Um, and how, you know, they're sitting there at the, the checkout lane, and I'm ashamed to say the next time I saw a Kit Kat, I had to buy it. Um, I didn't have self-control in that moment. But again, with this, the, the self-control, how does that nourish our knowledge? The self-control says, uh, I'm going to deny uh, pursuing after things, uh, making them a priority in my life in order to, to prioritize a pursuit of Jesus Christ. We understand uh, self-control when it comes to a sense of dieting, right? Like, like, don't eat these things, but do eat these things. Stay away from this. This is good. Now, it can be hard to walk in that self-control. It's the same thing with seeking knowledge of God. Stay away from pursuing and making this a priority and instead choose to learn more about God. To do it through study of His Word, to do it through prayer, uh, to do it through worship, through fellowship, connecting with one another. All these different ways that we're able uh, to learn more about God. But it takes self-control to make it that priority. 
It's easier to go in our day-to-day lives, in our moments of, all right, I got to wake up, I, I need my coffee, then I need to, to check the news and then head to work and then come home and feed the family and go to bed. And like, what do we prioritize? How do we add in other things? The temptation is maybe to, we have some downtime or, or time when we're not at work uh, is just, oh, now I can relax. And, and there's nothing wrong with relaxing, but what we choose to relax with or by, is it something that, that helps bring us closer to God or is it something that is just a waste of time? We can start using that self-control to start informing our knowledge, which then helps us to walk in right actions. And as we walk in right actions, our faith is strengthened and our connection with God. Our self-control, we're supposed to nourish with steadfastness. This is endurance. Uh, It's ongoing for our entire life. That's the key to dieting, I found out. You know, like when you go and I'm like, I'm going to do like a 30-day, like a whole 30. Has anybody done like the whole 30 diet? Okay, there's a few crazy people. So the whole 30 diet uh, is you get rid of dairy, you get rid of sugar, you get rid of caffeine, which means coffee. Um, no, you don't get rid of caffeine? But there's no milk in the caffeine. Yeah, no milk in that. Get rid of gluten and wheat. What else am I missing? All, all grains. So corn, corn's out, all those things. Anything processed. Yes, which makes it like a lot harder. So like, you have to make your food now. Uh, Right? And so you go into that diet, and every time I've gone into that diet, um, it takes a lot of self-control to get through those 30 days. At the end of the 30 days, I I feel great, and I usually lose anywhere between 8 to 10 pounds. Um, But then I'm like, okay, those 30 days are done. And the 8 to 10 pounds, guess what? They come back. It happens a lot with dieting. You have to have endurance of your self-control in order to be effective for health in your life. It's the same thing in your spiritual life. You have to have endurance of self-control. It's not just this moment here and this moment here, but it's a commitment through your entire life to have steadfastness of choosing to follow after Christ instead of looking to empty things of the world. That will strengthen our self-control. Now, this steadfastness or this endurance, uh, we're supposed to uh, supplement with godliness. This godliness uh, is uh, Strong's number 2150, uh, Eusebia. And it means reverence and respect. It's a reverence of God. It's a respect of who He is. Why do we have self-control? We have self-control because we're submitting to something outside of ourselves. Otherwise, we wouldn't need self-control. If we were our own set of rules, if we were our own king, our own lord, then our self-control is, I'm going to control everything that I want. And I'm going to do everything that I want. But instead, we choose as Christians to have self-control in order to be obedient to God. Why? Because we revere Him, respect Him as our Lord and our Savior and as our King. That He spoke all things into existence. That that took man out of dust 
and then breathed into him. You realize we're the only thing he created that he breathed into? Like he literally said, like, let there be birds of the air, and then there was hummingbirds like flying through the air. We're the only thing that he created in his image. Not even angels are said to be created in his image uh, the way that humans are said to be created in the image of God. Uh, and here is the image in dust, and he breathes into it for life. He created us. We exist solely because of him and to bring him glory. And we're here today. Like we're, we're following Christ today because we recognize that, that because of sin and death in our life, we were separated from him. Jesus Christ came. God himself who spoke all things that breathed into man willingly came to suffer and die on a cross in our place so that we might be reconciled with him as we turn to him and say, my whole life, every breath that I take, every molecule, of dust and water is held by you. And, and you did not have to rescue me. I've done nothing to deserve God rescuing me. But because of your love, because of your love that, that we get glimpses of, but we cannot fathom, because of that love he chose to came to this earth in, on a rescue mission, to save us from, from eternal separation and suffering. And, and so we say in recognition of that, you are my Lord. All of my life I give to you. I revere you. I honor you. I trust you. I want everything to be ordered by you. And because of that truth, we find our, our steadfastness motivated. Because our steadfastness, our endurance, is not just motivated by our own strength or what we would like to do, but rather our endurance is motivated by the King who gave all in order to have us reconciled to Him. With that motivation, that then empowers our self-control which then helps us to want to know more about him so that we can live rightly with him. And by living rightly, our faith is then strengthened. This godliness, this revere and respect, we supplement with brotherly affection. This Greek word is, is Philadelphia, uh, which is what the city of brotherly love is named after. It literally means brotherly love. It's a recognition that we're not in this life. We're not on this journey of pursuing after God alone. But that here in this room are brothers and sisters as we've been adopted into the same family by Christ's death on the cross. That as we try to pursue uh, reverence and respect, we do it by linking arms with one another and encouraging one another. Do you know this? Did you see this about God? Uh, I can sit up here on a stage and participate in this by saying, did you know it was Fat Bear Week? And these amazing creations of God? 
are, are sitting there and this whole cycle of salmon spawning and bears eating and then hibernating and it happens again and again and again. Like all of this is put into place by God. Isn't he amazing? And, and, and somebody else in this room might be able to sit there and say, um, you know this flower? This flower that's absolutely beautiful. And, and here's the way that it is able to bloom. And, and if you watch it, the sun goes by, uh, this flower will actually like follow the sun as it crosses the path uh, of the sky, almost in a sense uh, of looking just to be anchored in the light of the sun and how that actually reflects our own life. And, and that if we turn our lives to follow Jesus, we're anchored in the light of the Son. And we can encourage one another. We, we have testimonies of, of like, look at what God has done in my life. Isn't this amazing? And all of this helps to, to build our reverence and respect and awe of God because the testimony of one another. It's why it's so important that we fellowship together. This word uh, brotherly affection also signifies that, that we are a family in Christ. Closer uh, than blood relatives. Because we are blood bought by Jesus. And that connection is greater and stronger than any connection through DNA here on this planet. We encourage one another. And so therefore, since this is so important that, that our love for one another, to encourage one another to good works, uh, informs our godliness and our respect and reverence of God, which then helps us to be enduring in our self-control, that we want to choose to seek after knowledge of God so that this knowledge will help us in right actions, which then grows our faith. This is all so important that this last thing of this brotherly affection in our fellowship with one another is then supplemented with love, with agape. Agape is the love of God. It is a love that is self-sacrificing and does not look for a return. It is a love that says, I'm willing to give all for you. I want to reflect God's love. Because he first loved me. Do you realize how much of this is connected? It is our body and our mind and our spirit all joined together in this matrix of growth. But a matrix of growth that takes intention and action in these things. And that if we can do this, if we can nourishment each thing, beginning with love uh, and ending in our faith being increased, what is the result of these things? Verse 8, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Pursuing each one of these things and allowing them to, to grow each aspect of our life and to grow our faith is the action of abiding in Jesus. Because fruit is the result. John chapter 15, it says, Abide in me 
and you'll produce much fruit. This process is the way that we input. We have to choose. We, we have to work at these things. But, but if we neglect them, we see in verse 9, the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Forgotten that they've been rescued. Forgotten the great agape love of God that sought to rescue them. And because they've forgotten that cleansing, that love of God, which is at the root, then they lack the brotherly uh, affection. And then they lack that reverence and awe of God, which then lacking in endurance, lacking in self-control. And it continues up to where then faith is weakened because we're forgetting what God has done for us. So then Peter writes in verse 10, as, as here's this warning, the person who lacks these things, short-sighted, forgotten the cleansing of his past sins. Verse 10 and 11, Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort, again, effort, work on our part, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, because if you do these things, you will never stumble, for in this way, the entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Christ will be richly provided for you. Again, in this verse, we see this great spiritual truth that God does all the work to make us worthy, but we're required to walk in what he has accomplished. Make every effort to walk in this. If you do this, you will not stumble. But in this, the entry into the eternal kingdom will be richly provided for you. It doesn't say earn. It doesn't say do these things. Make every effort and your entry into the eternal kingdom, you'll earn it. It says make every effort and it's still going to be provided for you. But you're called to make these efforts in nourishing your spiritual life. That spiritual life, again, is a gift. It is a blessing from God that he purchased at the cross and gave to you because of his love. Now, your efforts, my efforts to nourish that can affect the health and quality and the experience and our effectiveness in being a witness for him in those things. Just as in our physical life, uh, there is no magical pill for physical performance. Uh, at this point, I, I can't take a pill, invite LeBron James to come in here, challenge him one-on-one, -on -one, uh, and win. Uh, it's not going to happen. There's no magic pill that we can take that, that just automatically does these things uh, and makes us into a superstar athletes. It's the same thing in our spiritual faith. God's given us a gift of salvation, but there's no magic pill that, that then makes us into the uh, shining light that is an amazing reflection of him uh, that turns away wrath with peace and love. The, the one that is able to be calm in situations that are tense. The one that is able to resist all temptations. The, the one that is the example that we all look to. There is no pill that does that. It is this commitment to walk in what God has given to us and to pursue it 
We look at Paul uh, as an example. Wrote much of the New Testament. Uh, was shipwrecked, uh, I think twice. Beaten with rods multiple times. His life was threatened. And of all these things, he was steadfast. And he had self-control. And we look to him as an example for us as Christians. And yet he himself acknowledges that that, that took effort in his life. It wasn't just this magical snap of the fingers and then he was able to, to, to be doing all of these things. But, but he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. He's saying to Christians, as you live out your life, don't just be one in a group that's participating in a group sport and, and sure somebody's going to get the wreath, but you're all going to get participation points. He's not saying that. He's saying every single one of you run in a way to win the prize. Now, everyone who competes, he's talking about athletes, everyone who's an athlete and competes exercises self-control in everything, and they do it to receive a perishable crown. He's talking about the Olympics at that point where, where they would uh, self-control in all things. I'm, I'm not going to eat this. I'm going to make sure that I work out, that I lift these weights, that I, that I run in such a way because I want to beat all of the other city-states. Uh, and in that, I want to be the champion that gets a wreath of leaves on my head that's going to wilt and die. And so they choose to deny themselves things in order to gain that prize. And so he's saying here that they do it to receive a crown uh, of leaves um, that will perish, but we do it for an imperishable crown. We do it for the reward that Christ has promised to us if we're faithful to endure to the end. And so Paul says in verse 26, So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly, or boxing like one that beats the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. The example that he's setting here is this sense of like, hey, let's go for a run. And, and let's just see what we can do. And, and just try your best. Um, and, and if you can only go a block, that's, that's okay. And, and let's just do that. And if you only ever stay at that point, you're never going to compete for a prize. You're never going to be a contender in a race that you enter. And, and there's some benefit to doing those things. But there's a completely different mentality between, yeah, I'm just going to kind of do a few things that are going to kind of be good for me versus like I want to, to accomplish. I want to receive this prize at the end. We can do the same thing spiritually. Yep, there's things that are beneficial spiritually. Uh, let me pull out uh, and do kind of a, a little daily devotion. Uh, I read my four verses, uh, and now that this is closed, I'm going to go on with the rest of my day uh, and not even acknowledge what this is. It was a little bit of benefit, but it's completely different if we're running for the prize that God has promised to us that, that says, now, my whole life 
is about this. Like every choice that I make, every minute of entertainment that I seek after will affect the way that I run after this. And so again, not all entertainment is bad. But if that's all we pursue and we never pursue after this, it's going to affect our spiritual life and our spiritual health. Every choice that we make, we're being called to say, how does it fit into the truth of what Christ did for me and this gift of life and spiritual life that he has given to me? What is this choice? How does it impact my spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ? Do I get closer? Do I get farther away? Or is it a waste of time? We're called to run as one after running after a prize. We need to be careful with our time. We need to have focus on Jesus. We need to be careful with our efforts, what we do, the choices that we make because they matter. The time is short. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. We don't know when in our life something may or may not happen. 2020 has really taught us that. Life is short. We need to take action while there's time to pursue after Jesus Christ. And all the time recognizing that it's all a gift from Him and empowered by Him anyways. This morning, we're going to celebrate communion. Uh, and so if you want to mess with the, the different things here, I'm going to get that out. going to wait a second to give everybody a moment with this. Throughout this morning, the focus has been on a duality of reality in, in our spiritual life. That God has gifted us faith, but then we're called to supplement it. We're called to make effort and do action. That, that he has given us salvation, but yet we're to walk out that salvation with fear and with trembling. That we're to abide in him, and then fruit results, but it takes effort to abide in him. Communion, I think, is a wonderful example of this. Because in one sense, as we take communion this morning, we're acknowledging his blood shed on the cross, paid for our sins. His, his body uh, whipped and beaten was for us. He accomplished everything that was necessary and he has given us everything required for life and for godliness. And so it sits there. He accomplished it. We acknowledge that. But as we partake of the juice and the bread, it also symbolizes our participation in what he accomplished. That it wasn't just accomplished and then all is done. All is done for the sake of salvation, but we are called to actively participate in what he has given to us. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, uh, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, 
When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we come before you this morning eternally grateful for the gift of salvation that you came to give us. It was an undeserved gift. It was a gift of mercy. A gift of grace to rescue us from sin and from death. We thank you that you so freely and willingly gave it to us. So that as we turn to you as our Lord and Savior, we find forgiveness and freedom from sin and from death. Lord, we thank you for this new life that was accomplished through your resurrection. The deposit of the Holy Spirit that you gave to us. The faith that you gave to us. that we are adopted into your kingdom, that our life is forever transformed by your work, your actions at the cross. And Father, we ask forgiveness. If we've taken that gift and we've neglected to nourish it, that we've neglected to have self-control in our life, that we have split our priorities and pursuits between you and this world. Forgive us for the times where we actively choose things uh, that are either a waste of time or spiritually detrimental to ourselves. We ask forgiveness and we trust again in your work and the Holy Spirit to strengthen us and to help us to have endurance in our self-control. Father, I pray that you would help us to hunger for more of you, to seek you more, to desire to know you more, to connect with one another more, to understand your love more so that we can reflect it to others, to be active, intentional participants in the spiritual life that you have given to us because of all and reverence for you. We thank you for this gift and we ask for your help in respecting it and growing it by the efforts that you've called us to make. Let us not be complacent, but let us run for the prize. For Jesus Christ, casting off every weight and hindrance, for he is the most glorious, the, the, the most 
amazing, beautiful, powerful thing that we could ever want. We want more of you, more than we want comfort on this world. We want more of you, more than we would like the worth of all the stars in heaven. We want more of Jesus because you are all that is worth having. We pray this in his name. Amen.